Good evening. It is good to see each of you. If you are visiting with us, again, we welcome you. It is good to be together tonight. It's good to see everybody and to know that there are this many people that love God. They love to worship God and uh, in our community. And we're back together as believers in Jesus Christ. And that fellowship, which we'll talk about tonight, is a real and a tremendous blessing that we need to be a part of all the time. If you haven't already, be open your books to Acts, the first chapter. We'll continue a lesson that we began this morning. As you're turning there, let me mention a few things to you. Brother Jack Crock Sr. called this afternoon, and he mentioned how thrilled he was that, that they had received a bag with many thoughtful things in that bag. And one of the thoughtful things were cards that were packed with signatures and, and well wishes and love that was expressed. And he said, I've been in the church since 1932 and he said, this was one of the most thoughtful things that I've had to happen to us, and we appreciate that richly. And uh, he just continued, of course, uh, to compliment the congregation and how much that he loves uh, the work that we're involved in and all that we do. And, and that's the beauty of showing God's love. The beauty of showing God's love is that it encourages others, and obviously those of you that had part in, in encouraging them, surely that's an encouragement to you also. Uh, we are, as already prayed about this morning and tonight, we're so thankful that Don and Griff are home safely, and we're thankful for the work that they, uh, through God, was able to accomplish, and we're mindful of the tremendous task that is before. Friends, we're talking about a mission work that's going to be difficult. We're talking about a work that is grand, but we're talking about a work that I do not believe God would have brought this opportunity to us and brought us into this with this many resources if he did not believe that we are the ones to accomplish that. Be praying about that and let's be sure that we be supportive in every way that we can, not just now, but over the next few decades in this work. Also, if you have not yet picked up the Bible that maybe you have already ordered, those are available. You can pick those up at the Member Connect kiosk just out in the foyer. And if you picked yours up already this morning, you may have noticed that we ran out of the schedules. And hopefully maybe by Wednesday night we can have those schedules. I will leave this one laying up here. And if you will, if you want to make sure that you're on the schedule that everybody else is on, uh, you can just open up there and you can see that the reading begins February the 15th on page 116 to 119. And you can just copy a few dates to get you through Wednesday night or Sunday of next week and we can have those available. We look forward to reading and studying through God's Word together. We'll mention more of what I'm about to say uh, later on next week. Keep in mind, you are purchasing a study Bible. Study Bible means that there are men or women that have placed comments uh, either above the page or below the pages, and, and they're simply commentaries. And with any commentary you pick up, you have to understand that is the opinion of some writer. And so as in any study Bible I've ever seen, there are going to be things that I would disagree with in that, and you will probably study through and see things that you disagree with. And feel free to let us know. You can shoot me an email, and from time to time, we'll try to include those even in some of either our Bible classes or our sermon times together so that we can learn, and we'll use that as a teaching tool. Uh, right off the bat in Genesis, you'll see some dates that just do not go along uh, with God's teachings. As a matter of fact, even in the title there, it said some of these dates are influenced by the, uh, the evolution theory. And so we'll talk about some of those things, but it's very important for us to realize any Bible, well, I'll tell you what, just hold up your Bible right now if you have a study Bible. In other words, if your Bible is not just regular, just hold it up. If you're reading out of a study Bible, look around the auditorium. 
Every Bible you see will have the opinions of men in them, of the Bibles that's just held up. So we're not talking about something here that, oh, this is the only Bible in the world. You have to be careful as you read any Bible that's a study Bible. You must know the difference in the text and the commentary. And so please, if you've never thought about that before, this would be a good time to learn that lesson. There is a huge difference in the text of the Bible and the commentary of the Bible. And so uh, we'll try to learn from that and we'll do the best that we can. But isn't it wonderful that we have a congregation of people that whatever, if it's this Bible or your own personal Bible, that we are committed to studying God's word on a daily basis together. We are so thankful that so many of you went down to the Mount Juliet Healthcare Center Saturday, and we had those from little bitty all the way up to some that weren't little bitty and weren't so young. But what a blessing it was to see a, a congregational outreach to show some of the ones that I believe God would say are some of the most precious members of our Mount Juliet community to show the love of God to them. And, and we are so thankful that you did that. Victory. How do you define victory? When I was younger, I would not have defined victory in this way. And the longer I live, the more convinced I tell you the depths of my heart when I say this. When I see a child of God die faithful to God, I see victory. And I think about those of you that have been involved in the Purlington work, some of you for three or plus years, maybe four years now. And to think about going in a community where the church did not exist, helping establish homes, helping build a congregation. And then just the other day, we stood right here and we talked about how wonderful it is that one of those individuals that you've been in and out of their home for years, Glendora, was baptized into Jesus Christ. And today, I believe it was, that his funeral was conducted and several of our members are there tonight. And to think that only a few months ago, he became a child of God because of the influence, the direct influence of several of our members. They, the, the Dorr family believes that uh, uh, some of the members from Mount Juliet that has been in and out of rebuilding their home, in and out of their home, but building their home, that they were God sent. I believe that too. And what a blessing it is to see individuals staying in the lives of individuals. A lot of things come and go in this earth. But our commitment to God cannot come and go. We must remain, be thou steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know, your labor will not be in vain. Look with me, if you will, to Acts, the first chapter, as we think about, remember three major things we looked at this morning. I'll mention them quickly. Hopefully you were listening enough that at least it sounds familiar, maybe. Remember the bridge. If we're going from point A to point B, we need a connection point. Life is full of A's and B's, but sometimes we're just not ready for that connection point because that connection point can usually only be traveled by individuals in a healthy way, can only be traveled by individuals that are prepared. And too often times, I think we look for some deep, complex way to prepare. Give me a how-to manual when God says, hey, if you just remember me, if you just remember your brothers and sisters in Christ, you can be prepared. And so we look at Acts 2 and we're excited. It's the beginning of the church. I'll be honest with you. I can't wait until we're preaching in just a few weeks out of Acts 2. I love Acts 2. But we can't fully appreciate Acts 2 until we stop and think about Acts 1. 
And that is, we have these these apostles that they've been pumped up by Jesus Christ. They've been trained by Jesus Christ. And then Jesus Christ ascends out of their life. What are they going to do? Well, they're going to do what Jesus said to do. They're going to obey. Jesus says, you stay there 10 days. Well, he didn't say how many days. It ended up being 10 days. He says, you tarry in Jerusalem until you are uh, poured upon or endowed with the power of the Holy Spirit. And they obeyed. I want you to see three things tonight in addition to obedience that they did that prepared them. And I believe it doesn't matter what our transitions in life are. It doesn't matter what that bridge is. I believe you and I can wait the way God would want us to wait. We can be prepared the way God would want us to be prepared so that we can travel across those bridges and we can be ready for the opportunities that God gives us to live. If, number one, we will obey, but number two, if we remember fellowship that God has designed for us to share. Look with me, if you will, at Acts, the first chapter in verse 13. We read this this morning, but let's go ahead and read it again. And I'd like for you to notice in Acts 1 and 13, I'd like for you to notice... Let's go on to the one that says fellowship. Good job. Thank you. All right. Now, look, look if you will, and, and, uh, and by the way... He does such a good job. I don't know how he keeps up with me because I promise you, I don't give him any notes. He just tried. uh, That's good. All right. Acts, the first chapter and verse 13. And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying. Now, Now, look at this list. Imagine this. It's going to end up being 120 people, as you know, from verse 15. But just think about this. Who's in that upper room? Who's waiting all of those 10 days? Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. Now notice this phrase right here in 14. These all continued with one accord. Friends, that's a way to define fellowship. These all, all continue with one accord. And he's not through defining who the all are. Let's go ahead and read about who some all are. They in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. And in those days, Peter stood in the midst of the disciples. Altogether, the number of the names was about 120 people. They didn't know exactly what was waiting for them on the other side. The Lord didn't explain everything. They could have had a lot of reasons to say, why are we waiting here? I'm getting so bored. But they did something during that time. They didn't twiddle their thumbs. One thing is they stayed there through obedience. But second, they stayed there with one mindset. In other words, they stayed there in fellowship with each other. What does fellowship mean? Fellowship means to share with. It means to partnership. Sometimes that word in the scriptures is even translated to distribute. Now think of that as we go back to that word share. I have something. You need something. The way the Lord designed fellowship is we would distribute to each other what we need. Maybe I'm really down right now and you're not really down. Maybe you could take some of the joy and the peace that you're experiencing and maybe you could share that with me. Maybe you could come by and put your arm around me. Maybe you could write me a note. You see how this distribution works? You just name a resource and the Lord says, I expect you, if you're in Christ, I expect you to share in that fellowship. 
As a matter of fact, I'd like to read to you just a few passages. If you're taking notes, you might want to just jot these down. I'm just going to make reference. I'm not going to read the passages. But I just printed out the passages in the New Testament that deal with fellowship. And I'd like for you to remember just a few of these. Acts, the second chapter, and verse 42, they continue steadfastly in the doctrine of the apostles, but also in the fellowship. Now, what were they doing here? One of the things that we can notice is that they were having fellowship in Jesus Christ, and that would be 1 Corinthians 1 and 9. But I'd like for you to especially notice 2 Corinthians 8 and 4. They continued in the fellowshipping of the ministering to the saints. Now, you know what we call that today? Our little jargon word that we call that today, and it's all over the religious community. It's not just us. We call it involvement. Everybody needs to get involved. How does the Bible Define that same thing. Fellowship of the ministry. You're involved in ministry. I'm involved in ministry. But we do it together and we can accomplish a lot more. We fellowship. We share. We partnership in ministry. But also in 2 Corinthians 9 and 13, he talked about your liberal distribution. It's, a, it's literally your, literal, your, your, your liberal fellowship. And there he's talking about collecting money and giving it to those who are in need. We share with each other in helping each other, even financially, 2 Corinthians 9 and 13. Also, we share in Philippians 3 and 10. You remember this morning we talked about what makes obedience not attractive sometimes? Not saying we shouldn't do it. It just makes it not attractive sometimes. You remember when we suffer? Here in, in Philippians the third chapter and verse 10, he says that we can have the fellowship of his suffering. When we say the Lord suffered and I want to have a partnership with the Lord. If the Lord was willing to suffer, I need to be willing to suffer. And so you feel that same way. Now together we can join in suffering to encourage each other as we suffer and join in that fellowship with the Lord. And then finally, and I'll mention 1 John, the first chapter and verse 7. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. So you decide that you live your life with Jesus Christ and you're going to walk in your walk with Jesus, but I decide also to walk in my walk with Jesus. Now we walk together in our walk with Jesus, and that's why the Lord says, Now you have fellowship one with another. I'd like for you to think about this simple, simple phrase as we look at this next slide isolation from other Christians destroys Christians. Friends, from even before the church was established and definitely from the day the church was established, that was Acts 2 and 42, continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in the fellowship, I need to realize I was not designed to walk this way alone. I'd like for you to just say that in your mind to yourself right now. I was not designed to walk this way alone. It is impossible for me to be a faithful Christian and try to walk this way alone. Isn't it wonderful to be here tonight and have the fellowship as we worship God together? You being here has encouraged someone around you. And how does it hurt? How does it discourage when sometime we find out that someone has chosen to no longer fellowship? Let me give you an example, and I don't want the college age to think I'm only targeting them. I just want to use a simple example here. And we need to think about this no matter what our age is. You know, oftentimes 19 years of age is a very difficult time because at that time our youth had grown, they graduated from high school, and they many times have left home. And, and as they leave home, there becomes decisions that they have to make on their own. And then we ask the question, will they make it spiritually? It's a question that needs to be asked. A lot of prayers need to be offered, and we need to make sure we're doing everything that we can do as a congregation. But we go back to that question, will they make it? You know how you know whether or not they're going to make it? Just see 
who they fellowship with. When they go on a big campus, see what friends they seek out. And if they're fellowshipping with Christians, they're probably going to make it. And if they have chosen to not fellowship with Christians, they're probably not going to make it. See where they are Wednesday night. See if they've decided to leave campus and find a room that we call a classroom, a Bible classroom, so that they can sit in that room and fellowship in the gospel. That's how the the Bible would say it, a fellowship of the gospel. See if they decide to join in a fellowship of the studying of the gospel. See if they set their alarm clock for Sunday morning. See if they decide to fellowship with the church, sharing fellowship, sharing in worship to God. You can just pretty much summarize whether or not a young person is going to make it based upon who they choose to fellowship. Do they want to become a partner with the world? Or do they want to be partners with God's disciples had a huge task they were told to wait but while they waited they didn't scatter some go to Samaria some go all the way up to Galilee some just hang out in various parts of Jerusalem they gathered with one accord and there no doubt they strengthened each other Now, we'll make one quick application and leave this point. It doesn't matter what age you are, 20-something, 30-something, 40-something, 50-something, 60-something or up. I want you to just think about your last week's calendar. If you jotted down everywhere you spent your time and, and, and who did you spend that time with, that tells you who you like fellowshipping. Well, I tell you, I just don't really have time to, to make it to Wednesday night Bible class. Do you not like fellowshipping with people that study God's Word? And I know if you're here tonight, this this is the group that's back. But do you see the point? Who do you enjoy being with? Who builds you up? Who lifts you up? Do we find our excitement from the world or do we find our excitement from God's people? Fellowship. What do we do at the times where we don't know exactly what to do? Go back in your mind to this morning's sermon. You're standing on the edge of life. You don't understand why this has happened to you. You don't know what the next move is. What should I do? Obey God. And whatever you do, stay close to God's people. When we start pulling away from God's people, we are pulling away from the faith. Third, we need to make sure that we pray. Look with me, if you will, again to that. See that 13th and 14th verse? They had gone up and entered the upper room in verse 13. And notice again, 14, these all continue with one accord in prayer and in supplication. Can you imagine what the prayer sounded like? You've heard me say this before probably. It's been a while since I've said it, but if you've not heard me say this before, you'll think I'm weird, but that's all right. I think I'm weird too sometimes. Sometimes I sit around and I think about things that I want to ask God if he'll let us do this. He may not let us do this. But I imagine asking God to see a big screen in the sky. And there are things that I've read about all my life that if he is willing, I want him to replay those and I want to see them as they really happen. I want to see this one as it really happened. 
I want to say, Lord, could you go back to that 10 days? All that emotion. They were excited about Jesus being resurrected, but then he ascends and they tell him to wait and they don't, how long are we going to wait? And then to think, and they continued in prayer. I want to hear what Peter's prayer sounded like. I don't know for sure who all was there, but Lazarus could have been there. I'd love to hear Lazarus' prayer. Thomas, you know, not that many weeks ago, he had doubted Jesus. And Jesus had to show him his hand and his side. I'd like to hear Thomas' prayer. Not only can we learn a lot about people, but I really think we grow a lot spiritually in being encouraged from each other when we pray together. And can you imagine what was on their heart? Can you imagine their concerns? Can you imagine maybe the uncertainty? And in the time of all of that, what they did was pray. And prayed together. I want to encourage you. Don't hesitate to call one of your friends, one of your brothers or sisters in the church family and say, let's pray together. Can you meet me a little bit early Wednesday night before Bible class? Let's pray together. I got some things that's really heavy on me. Could, could we just sit down and pray together sometime? Friends, I don't think we're preparing for bridges and for the other side of what lies on the other side of that bridge unless we're gathering together and praying together. Now, if you're young in the faith and you are somewhat like the disciples of Jesus where you say, teach me to pray. Since we're studying out of the book of Acts, let me just mention this to you. We're not going to develop this, but look at this next slide as we see this cross of Acts. And this doesn't necessarily come out of Acts. This is just what someone, as they studied the various prayers through the scriptures... They were able to, to come up with this, and it really does help. When you think about, what should my prayers be? What should I say in my prayers? One, we ought to adore God. In our prayers, we ought to tell Him that we do. Can you imagine the adoration that might have been offered in that upper room over those 10 days? Can you imagine the, the praise that they would give God for resurrecting their friend, Jesus Christ, from the dead? And if you say, I don't know exactly how praise sounds. I don't know the vocabulary of praise. Take some time this week and read through Psalms and just look for those times where, how excellent is thy name, God. Look at those times where he cries out that he's my rock and he's my salvation. Those are times that the psalmist is praising God. Second, confess. We must confess our sins and we must be willing to acknowledge the fact that we're not perfect. And you can imagine there in that upper room how those individuals could have all acknowledged weaknesses that they had had over the last six or seven weeks. And then also thanksgiving. When we fail in gratitude, our faith is definitely faltering. And then finally, supplication. We can't make it alone. And if we can... Number one, we're fooled. And number two, we're trying to do things so small, we don't need God. Friends, as a church family, we have a lot of resources, which brings a lot of potential, which brings a lot of responsibility. 
how are we going to do it? I can tell you this, we're not going to do it alone. Our supplication to God needs to be genuine. It needs to be frequent. And it needs to be from a humble heart where we all realize we can't do this without the blessings of God. We don't want to try to do this without the blessings of God. But then finally this evening, let's look at the last thing that they did. And that is in 16 and 17, or it's the last thing we're going to study tonight that they did. And in 16 and 17, we see that Peter stands up among them in 16 and says, Men and brethren, the scriptures had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke before the mouth of David concerning Judas and became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered with us and obtained a part of this ministry. Now, this man purchased a field with the wages of iniquity and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle and all his entrails gushed out. And it became known to all those dwelling in Jerusalem so that the field is called in their own language, Akeldama, that is, field of blood, for it is written in the book of Psalms. Let his dwelling place be desolate and let no one live in it and let another take his office. They're quoting out of Psalm 69 and 25 and also 109 and verse 8. Do you realize what he did in that discourse that he gave them? He studied the Bible with them. He said, listen, we know what Judas did. Let's go back and see how real life ties back to the scriptures. We say how this was taught in the scriptures. It was going to happen. And friends, that's what we as Christians do. We don't want to to read through this Bible this year so that our only goal is, I hope I can become a scholar one day. Now it's wonderful if we have people here that that their intellect and, and their desire for God's word causes them to become a scholar. But friends, we ought to want to be able to read this book because we have a firm conviction that we want to take what we have learned and live it. We want to take what we've learned and help other people see how does this apply to life. If I'm not reading the Bible every day and saying, what does this look like lived out? I'm not reading the Bible for the purpose that it was written. And we close by reading 2 Timothy. And I urge you as you're turning there, 2 Timothy, the third chapter, please hear these verses as afresh. Hear them anew. These are such beautiful verses that probably we know pretty well. But think of these as we think about Scripture. 2 Timothy 3, I'd like to back up into 14. And notice what Paul was telling to the young man Timothy. He says, But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And that from a childhood you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Now a description of the scriptures. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, instruction in righteousness. What will it end? What will the accomplishment be? That the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. They were waiting there for 10 days. What were they going to do? They were going to obey God. They were going to fellowship with each other. They were going to pray together often, but they were going to study God's word. How does everything that we've experienced, how does that tie into God's word? Why? What is the power of God's word? We see here what Paul says to Timothy, as we've already mentioned. We study God's word so we can learn it and continue to live it. Number two, we see from Timothy here that we need to start as young as possible. Someone says, David, I'm not very young and I don't know much of the Bible. That's why we say as young as possible. If you're 75 years old and you're just now starting to pick up the Bible, 
Today, you are starting as young as possible. Thank God that you've started now. And be serious about learning God's Word so that you can live it. Start now. Parents, we can help our children by encouraging them and training them and instructing them so they can start as young as possible. Also notice there in verse 16, he says the scripture is inspired. It means it's God breathed. This is not just a good book. This is the word of God. We need to love it and treasure it. There is no other book on earth like this book. And what will this book do? It says that it is profitable. It is an advantage. It is a gain. You say, I want something better in my life. Think about our, our application today. We've got a bridge ahead of us, and, and I don't know exactly what that bridge is, and I don't know what lies exactly on the other side. I wish I knew what to do. Study the Word, and it'll profit you. Oh, but, but you don't know what the bridge is. It doesn't matter. Study the Word, and it will profit you. Is that sinking in? Go back to this morning's lesson. We have those times in life. I don't know what to do. I can't believe this person did this to me. I can't believe this situation evolved. I never thought I would find myself like this. I don't know what to do. Yes, you do. Study God's Word. God's Word is always profitable. What will it do? It'll complete us and it will equip us so that we're ready to take the next steps in life. Because we have decided then to trust in the Lord and to not lean upon our own understanding. This evening, I know we're in the midst of good people. I know we're in the midst of people that love God and that fellowship is rich. But let's make sure as we leave here tonight that we're in the midst of people that are very, very comfortable with the fact of standing before their God on the day of judgment. And so we sing a song of invitation not to see who's perfect and who's imperfect. There's nobody here perfect. We sing a song of invitation to simply say, if we can help you prepare to meet your God, we'd like to do that. It's the Lord's invitation. If you've never been baptized into Christ, why not tonight? If you have been baptized into Christ, but yet you haven't been waiting on His return in the way that we've learned today, we would love to pray with you and encourage you in any way that we can. If we can help you, please come as we stand as we sing.